Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Great to be with you on this seventh day of the month of March. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky. In the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. If you're thinking about having a little action with the upcoming NCAA tournament, be sure that you are thinking about the Golden Moon and uh, the sports book. Great place to watch games. Great place to uh, get a little invested in the games. Great food. Great atmosphere. You're going to love it. Check it out. That's uh, the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can be a part of our conversation. 601-879-4395. That is the number for the Seaspire text line. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business. Backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Seaspire Country. Online, they are cspire.com slash business. What a glorious day. In Mississippi, sunshine, 75, very few clouds, Beautiful. little bit of breeze. I uh, At lunchtime today, I snuck out and I hit balls on the range for like 45 minutes. It was like, I know I don't have time to play golf. I wish I could. I don't have time to do it. But I can do that for the lunch break, and it was oh, yeah, so good. So good. It's the best. Again, this is why people in California are so smug, because they get this weather all the time, except for it snowed recently. Yeah, um, I was going to say, except for when they don't. In certain parts of California, they get this weather all the time. But yeah, perfect baseball weather as well. I mean, just chef's kiss type stuff. Yeah, what a what a day you've got for baseball tonight. Uh, Ole Miss and Southern Miss at Swayze, 6.30 first pitch for that ball game tonight. We'll... Uh, spend some time previewing that as we go through the show this afternoon. We got a bunch to get to. Yesterday felt like very much a scratch the surface show for the week because you've got postseason basketball happening all over the place. You've got baseball rolling from one weekend into the next week. You've got a lot of stuff happening in the NFL. You are into spring practice for a lot of football teams. This is a fun time of year, right? We go through that little bit of a lull between the end of football, kind of post-national championship game, especially post-Super Bowl when you're kind of going through the the grind of February in college basketball. 
Then you get to the middle of February and baseball starts up and it just all starts piling on top of each other. And that's where we are right now. Certainly a fun time of the year on the sports calendar. Michael Borky, congratulations. Yeah, the Paladins. You grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. That is the home of Furman University. That was your local team growing up. And last night, Bob Ritchie's team, the Furman Paladins, punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament for the first time since uh, I was born. 43 years yep. it has been since they've made it. Yeah, I spent many a night in Timmins Arena. I uh, bet, bet you couldn't have even named that one, being the college basketball savant that you are. Uh, no, it's really cool, man. I so mean, the, fun. The, those people yeah. deserve it. The program's been better than that it's lately. I mean, Bob Ritchie's excellent. And I, I, I was texting with a buddy earlier. I tweeted it, but I don't think many people got it because the name just doesn't ring a bell. Ole Miss fans are lucky that they didn't or aren't going down the Bob Ritchie road. Uh, because I would have lost whatever credibility I have left, which is probably very little, telling everybody that that would have been a bottom of the ninth, game seven, bases loaded, down three, full count, home run higher, and with the direction it's going, not a single one of you would have bought what I was trying to sell you. He's a great coach, though. Good style, and those people deserve it. That was fun watching that last night. They got beat on a buzzer beater last year in the championship game and came back and won it this year. I was happy for him. Hey, Dad, you may remember from a year ago when we were having conversations about the future of Mississippi State basketball. I'm not sure exactly who they were going to hire. It was before Chris Jans maybe even emerged as the, the primary candidate. Bob Ritchie is a name that I mentioned then, and it was solely yeah. because I had seen them, right? I mean, I saw them play Mississippi State. I saw the style they played. And based on kind of visiting with Bob Ritchie a little bit, I came away really impressed with that. Uh, so, yeah, Borky, I, I don't know that I would have disagreed with you. Maybe a little bit with the, your, your <laughs> level of this is great. But, uh, yeah, congratulations. Well. And will do well. Somebody's going to give him a chance one day. He'll do well. Fun style of play, good recruiter. He's got shooters all over the floor. Young guy, too, engaging. You know, he checks all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. This is... um. This is a fun week, right? The SEC tournament doesn't begin until tomorrow. But we've got some of the smaller conference tournaments going on. I mean, you mentioned Furman winning last night. You've got the West Coast Conference championship game coming up tonight. And it's the two... Like, if you know nothing else about the West Coast Conference and basketball, you probably know that Gonzaga and St. Mary's play each other a lot. And it's a rivalry game. And tonight, those two teams are going to meet in Vegas for the West Coast Conference Championship. St. Mary's won the regular season. Gonzaga, as is rarely the case, is the uh, is the two seed. The ACC tournament has gotten started, uh, which is always fun to watch. You'll have the Big East tournament getting started. Is that today or tomorrow? I can't remember when the Big East begins. I, I like the. And I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't watch every dribble of the Southern Conference Championship, but these these final games when the team gets to punch their ticket is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Big East tournament starts tomorrow, so tomorrow is when it all gets rolling, and it's so much fun, so much fun, and we've got fun here also, right? Because. These games matter to Mississippi State. Hey, Dad, would you call it fun or uh, use a different adjective? For... It's work right now, you know, because you're having to, you know, keep up with all these different teams and, and different conferences and, and, and all this, you know. 
Uh, it, it, Mississippi State, however, I think is relatively secure in the knowledge that they do sort of control their own destiny. With a win on Thursday, they should be okay, and, and it won't matter what happens unless you just see it. You should be. Well, that's that's you can't ever be. You can't ever be concerned when you're on the bubble. You can't ever be a hundred percent. You know, but as 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 long as there's not a, a bunch of bids stolen, uh, a win should take care of Mississippi State. Yeah, root for Florida Atlantic, for example. Yeah, it's funny you said that, Borky. I yes. was going to say one of the tournaments that that you probably need to keep an eye on if you were Mississippi State is the Conference USA tournament. Florida Atlantic does not play until Thursday. They get a first round bye. They are twenty eight and three. And the reason you need to root for Florida Atlantic. <laughs> Is because they are probably in the NCAA tournament regardless. And so if they were to, say, lose in the championship game to UAB, then UAB would get the automatic bid from Conference USA and FAU would then steal an at-large spot. Whereas if FAU wins that tournament, UAB is not getting in a large spot when they've got eight losses on the season. Yeah, one bid league there. Right. Yeah. Yep. They they are a one-bid league if FAU wins the tournament. If somebody not named Florida Atlantic wins that tournament, then Conference USA is getting two bids. And so that's one spot gone for somebody, whether that's Mississippi State or somebody else out there that's on the bubble. That's one spot that, that goes away. So there are others that are like that, but that's the one that's kind of like at the top of the list in terms of Okay, this is a team that's really good from a smaller conference, and they're getting a spot one way or the other. Hey, Dad, do you sense nerves from Mississippi State fans? Like, it's been so long since basketball has mattered in March. Yeah, there's there's a sense of, like, you know, little Ricky Bobby, I don't know what to do with my hands right this second for Mississippi State fans. I, I think most Mississippi State fans believe what I said a minute ago, that a win would take care of it. So you have that that sense of confidence. But they're, they're definitely watching games and watching uh, around the country to see, see what results happen here or there. You know, there are threads on message boards like, all right, today's the day. you got to look at this game, this game, this game, and so on. Yeah. Makes it fun. It's so much fun, man. And that's why, if you're an Ole Miss fan, even if you have mixed emotions and and you absolutely are within your rights to have mixed emotions, you're, you're within your rights to have strong emotions about the idea of Chris Beard. But if you strip away everything about that situation other than basketball, and I know that's not fair to do that, Right, I mean, it's got too many layers to just strip everything away. But just just for the sake of this conversation, if you strip away everything other than basketball, you are really excited about the possibility of hiring a guy who most basketball people think is a top-five coach in America. Because if those other things weren't part of the conversation, Ole Miss isn't. Ole Miss isn't anywhere in the running in the neighborhood to talk about hiring a Chris Beard. What'd you what'd you scrunch your eyes up about, hey Dad? The way I called them things. Possible handball. Possible oh. handball. Oh, geez, you're Could be a penalty. Ah, oh, stop it. Yes. 
Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, just getting started on this Tuesday in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Somebody was just going through it during that break. Oh, my. Oh, my. I mean, hey, Dad. <laughs> we have a uh, we've got a wagon attached to the uh, back of one of those cannons. We can call it a bandwagon if you'd like to uh, jump on board the arsenal train. No. Boom! Go the cannons again and again and again. Oh, they're gonna give him another kick. Oh, thank God. All right, I mean, you can't do that on the you gotta you're if if you're going to do this on the radio, you're going to have to give a little more context as to exactly right. what you're talking about. They called a handball in the box. Chelsea was awarded a penalty. Havertz hit it off the post, so it didn't go in, but now they reviewed it and they're giving him another kick. They're saying Why the are they giving him another line. kick? The keeper's off his line before he kicks the ball. Oh, what a stinking technicality. On a, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a rule. like it's not like the keeper came off the line to block the shot. He clanked it off the post. He's, he's not allowed to be off his line. Oh, uh, man, I hope this turns into some ball don't lie scenario. He'll make the second one though. He was off his line. He's off his line. What do you he want? He didn't touch the ball. It didn't affect anything. Oh, it's like the, the official that can throw a flag on holding on any single play. And yet they use a little I'm really bit of surprised they're gonna let him. I'm really surprised they're going to let him kick again. He has hit two off the post in this game. Mm. Oh, could they, could they change and low. let a different guy shoot the free throw? They could. They could. Hmm. Borky, how do you feel about that rule? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most hate-ad response Straight ever. to it. That is the most hate-ad response ever. Oh, man. There, there is something that's going on, by the way. Uh, talk all the time about how college, we hear it from fans all the time, college football's changing, I don't like the changes. All the, And I think the root of a lot of people's issue with college football is the lack of structure and understanding, more so than anything else. I don't think it's about money or about transfer portal, it's about the chaos of it all. The NFL today, here's another master class in public relations, right? So it's first week of March, combine's over, games don't start for another six months, there's nothing going on. But all day today, there was a bunch of NFL news. Mm -hmm. Quarterbacks. Derek Carr signed yesterday. The Jets contingents meeting with Aaron Rodgers. Daniel Jones gets a deal done at the deadline. That's a key word there. Lamar Jackson gets non-exclusive franchise tagged, which means other teams can offer him, but the, the Ravens can match it. The Ravens don't believe that he is worth what he thinks he's worth, and they're intending on proving it. It's kind of a risk there. But all of this happened today because there's a deadline. A strict, 
you cannot go past this day deadline involving the franchise tag. And it created an entire easy-to-understand news cycle with drama and players possibly leaving or sticking around, but it was clear and concise, and it cannot be broken or maneuvered or changed. This is the day, 4 o'clock Eastern, on March 7th. If it's not done, you're done. That's it. That's what college football's missing, is structure and deadlines. You have to do this by this date, and if you don't, you're done. That simple. And I don't know, they've got to do it differently in terms of calendar because of academics, but man, if there were just, if there was more structure in college football, it would be more easy to digest because it would happen very clearly in a certain time. I mean, schools are still signing transfer portal guys right now. Like, how are you able to do that? School started a month and a half ago. How is that possible? So, structure is what's needed. The NFL keeps adding deadlines and structure, and they keep creating easy-to-digest news cycles. It's brilliant. Yeah, it is, but let me ask you this. I feel like the second you say, all right, we're going to put some deadlines in place that are going to make the college game better, you're going to have somebody go, oh, nope, nope, suing the NCAA, we're taking them to court, we're going straight to the Supreme Court, so another rule can get struck down. And that's where, like, the NFL with having the Players Association is very helpful because these rules yeah. are set into place with their content. So, I mean, that, that I feel like at some point, I don't feel like it's going to be a straight employee kind of thing, but I think I feel like something like that is coming. Well, that's where I was going next. I mean, so the, the question is if that's going to make college football better, are we headed down the roads of athletes become employees and you have collective bargaining on? everything for college football and all college sports. It, I don't possibly, love that. it depends on what you I don't have either. to concede. Because some mean? collective bargaining, I, some ballot, because as you mentioned, the schools right now appear to have no power. It, it, it feels like the players get whatever they want, right? They get everything, whatever they want, they get it. If you collectively bargain, that means the schools have power too. They they get to that take sort of some like of that the, control back because they don't have any right. It now. kind of sounds like the argument for the NCAA, like people were like, "Yo, you should leave the NCAA. These NCAA rules are targeting school. Like the NCAA is the schools." Yeah, but is what I used to always feel. But like the NCAA is the schools. So if if whatever the decision is, the schools all agreed to it. So what you're saying kind of sounds like that, but. At the same time, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. The NCAA is all of the schools. It's Baylor and Mary Harden Baylor. That's a problem, right? Because all of the schools are not created equal. In the NFL, you've got 32 teams that are all basically created equally. More so than in any other sport. It's more so in the NFL where Green Bay is the same as the New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers are the same as the Los Angeles Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys are the same as the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, are there differences? What did I say? The Los Angeles Raiders, which was, hasn't been yeah. a thing since like the 80s. It, it's been a minute, right? I meant Las Vegas Raiders or I meant Los <laughs> Angeles Rams or Chargers. Just take your pick. You got caught you in the middle there. I was going. Yeah, but but the point is, that is far more similar 
And, and now, the market sizes are different. The ability to sell beautiful... I mean, we know that the Dallas Cowboys generate more revenue than the Cincinnati Bengals, just using that example. But there's far more balance in the NFL between all of the 32 teams than there is in Major League Baseball, where you say, okay, let's talk about the New York Yankees and the Miami Marlins. Let's talk about the Boston Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers or the San Francisco Giants and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not the same. Hey. Hey. You like how I put the Giants and, oh, the, are, 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 and the Dodgers together? I said oh, the okay. Giants I thought you were doing and the different. Dodgers in comparison okay. to the Pittsburgh okay. Pirates. I was making okay. San Francisco like, yeah, a big market, big money team. I was like, what did we do to you? Come on, no, don't no. like that. that no, way. no, no. All right, I appreciate it. So, so there, there's imbalance even in the in Major League Baseball. But you talk about the the difference in the Dodgers and the Pirates as compared to the difference between the Texas Longhorns and Wake Forest. But even lower than that, it's not the Texas Longhorns and Wake Forest, it's the Texas Longhorns and Florida Gulf Coast. And another thing to consider with 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 uh, or with or the sports. Texas Longhorns and Washington and Lee, yes, who is a Division yeah. three NCAA team that and doesn't have, give scholarships. And the thing, another thing to consider is, you know, in pro sports, right? You know, the Rays they don't spend a lot of money, right? They're just a transaction away. Somebody could buy the Rays tomorrow. And it's like we're going to build a team here. We're going to spend big money, like the Mets. Can't do that in college. I mean, you can have a big donor say, yeah. who, who gives you a lot of money, but yeah. You can have a big donor gives you a lot of money, and that'll help, but yeah, they can't put it directly into improving the athletic teams. Yeah, that that's a really good point. Via personnel. I mean, if Steve Cohen had bought the Rays instead of the Mets, and if exactly. said, I will spend four of my $13 billion on making the Tampa Bay Rays the most prolific roster in baseball, he could have done it. Yeah. That, that's a great point. We have yet to see a booster come along. Well, that's not true. There's, there's one that I can think of, but it's not. T. Boone Pickens is the only one. See, I, I actually would disagree. Till night? Nope. Far, far, far less, far less mainstream. Tillman Fertitta has treated the Houston yeah. Cougars athletics department like a professional franchise. He's just giving them whatever they needed. It's the only way that Houston and Kelvin Sampson have a top 10 basketball, not team, but program. Yeah. And outside of that, and then a couple of examples, okay, Phil Knight to some degree with Oregon, Thibon Pickett to some degree with Oklahoma State, you have not had a billionaire alum booster come in and say, we're about to buy our way to championships in every sport. It could happen. It, it, it could, but it hasn't happened yet. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back with you after this. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to hear from you on the uh, C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. You know, I found something during the break. I was, I, w- I was really trying to come up with a great example of if a billionaire wanted to build his team or his, his uh, alma mater into a power, could he do it? I was just having trouble finding, you know, like somebody in the top 50 of the world's richest people that went to an SEC school. <laughs> it's like they all kind of did the whole Ivy League thing or, or something. I did stumble across one name that, that I can't help but wonder about. Thomas Frist, who has been, he became a billionaire through like the healthcare industry. Went to school at Vanderbilt. He's worth, Twenty-two or so billion dollars. Could you do it at Vanderbilt? So, so, and and I'm really talking about football and basketball because Vanderbilt has proven that in non-revenue sports, that it can take advantage of the rules that are in place and build a program that can win national championships. We've seen it in baseball. I think we're about to see it in golf. Like, if not this year, soon. The Vanderbilt men's golf team is ridiculous. It's just, but but they're treating it the same way baseball, right? I mean, golf's an equivalency sport, and so who's the men's golf coach at, at Mississippi State right now? Hey, Dad, do you know? Top of your Dusty head? Smith. So yeah, Dusty, Dusty Smith. Smith in Starkville, Chris Malloy in Oxford, they're dealing with partial scholarships to try to build the most competitive roster they can. Doing a good job. Vanderbilt's got full scholarships to hand out. To, to kids who, in a lot of scenarios, there is a, a great value put on that education in addition to the fact that you're playing at what has turned into a powerhouse, powerhouse golf program. But what about in football, where it's equal, right? Everybody gets 85 scholarships. In basketball, where everybody gets, what is it, 12 scholarships. If Thomas Frist woke up tomorrow morning and said, I've given lots of money to lots of good causes. I have more money than I can ever spend in my life. I am going to allot $5 billion to Vanderbilt Athletics. And as a university, they're going to make a commitment to winning. But I'm going to give them an unlimited checkbook to go out and do it. Could you? At a place like Vanderbilt, well, could you go buy yourself a football national championship? Well, two, a couple things. First off, like for basketball, it would be relatively easy, right? Because we're not that far removed from when, a time when Vanderbilt was one of the better programs in the conference. They were right up there with, with Kentucky, Tennessee, year in and year out, having good, good seasons. But you, you sent the money to the wrong place. You're not sending it to Vanderbilt. You're sending it to the Commodore Initiative or the Commodore Collective or whatever they want to call it, the Anchor Down Foundation. That's where that money is going to go. You're going to get. You can give a billion. Give a billion to Vanderbilt. That's plenty for for facilities. You set yourself up for life there. But you got to get four billion of that to NIL and start getting players because that's what that's what wins games. For perspective, 
This, you know the difference between a million and a billion. But for perspective, one million seconds is 12 days. It's one million seconds, 12 days. One billion seconds is 31 years. That's that. That's a really good example, Borgie. That's a really good example. Thir- Thirteen scholarships in basketball, if anybody's counting. Yeah. Yeah, you can buy a national championship at Vanderbilt with four billion dollars, yeah. basically annually, forever in perpetuity. Well, and I mean, I mean th- th- think about it this way. If somebody says, I'm going to give you $5 billion for your athletics program. If Keith Carter woke up tomorrow from a phone call from uh, Bill Gates, and Bill Gates said, you know, we've been supporting the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for a really long time, and we are feeling like we want to support something different. We're going to support all this athletics, Keith, so you're our first call. And we're going to write you a check for $5 billion. And you go, okay, well, let's see. We had this capital campaign, so we're going to do all of our facility stuff. And we were only looking at doing three or $400 million. But we're going to change that. We're going to build a whole new... So let's just say you go nuts on facilities and spend a billion and a half or even $2 billion. You still got $3 billion left. Well, let's say we're going to endow every athletic scholarship. Well, whatever. I mean, that's a hundred million, couple hundred million dollars. You still have all of this money left, and now you could just like set it in a fund and you start drawing on it, and you never affect the principal of it, and you're getting this crazy amount of interest. You you could change that. It 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 almost kind of makes me wonder why you haven't had a billionaire who says, "I'm going to treat my alma mater." Like the Cubs. Like, I'm not a professional sports fan. I'm a college fan. Instead of going and buying the Cubs, I'm going to go buy Mississippi State Athletics. Now, do I technically own it? No. And maybe it's the whole revenue generation thing. And I look, I get that we're just kind of being a little silly with this. Josh in the Delta says, yes, you can buy a championship due to the new NIL deals that players can receive. When you don't yeah. think, I mean, uh, when you didn't have the NFL NIL, you couldn't do the math and like how long at eighty-five million a year. How much? How long does it take you to spend a billion dollars? What, like twelve years, something like that? So yeah. if you you know if you have another four billion accruing interest, you're never going to run out of money, and you can give everybody on the football team a one million dollar NIL deal. That's One billion deal. divided by also, eighty-five million is eleven point seven. What a, what a what a fascinating number that is. Also, it's a shame that old Mrs. Rich's alumni doesn't come to their rescue, Richard. Look, man, we're in the we're in the wealth generating years. Once we get through 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 this phase of life, then we be, we get into the. Um, uh, then the cross, the, 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 the cross center happens. The yeah. philanthropic years. Yeah, Somebody says Boone Pickens kind of did that at OSU. Yeah. He, he kind of did, but if you really read into the Boone Pickens story, that that's that's weird. It was like I'm giving you money, but then you have to turn around and invest the money that I give you into my hedge fund, and then when that hedge fund kind of went south, the money didn't. Now he gave a lot of money to Oklahoma State, no, no doubt about it. Um. 
Thomas in Greenwood says, no offense, have I inadvertently smoked crack? Where are we getting billions of dollars spent on college athletics? <laughs> no, you haven't smoked crack, Thomas. I, I, I'm just, I was floating the idea. You, you think about people who, you have some billionaires that buy sports franchises to diversify their portfolio. And then you have some, like Steve Cohen, who bought the Mets, who's not, he didn't buy the Mets to make, make a bunch of money. He bought the Mets as a hobby. And if they make a bunch of money, that's fine. Guys like that tend to make money doing whatever it is that they do. But he is spending an insane amount of money because he's trying to build a championship franchise. So we're just wondering out loud, why is it that you haven't had a billionaire that goes, this could just generate enjoyment for me. And so I'm going to give to my, you know, instead of spending $4 billion to buy a Major League Baseball team, we'll give that money to my school. And the guy who bought, since we were talking about it, the guy who bought Chelsea, Todd Bowley, also owns the Dodgers, mm-hmm. this year alone, or the, this season alone, has spent $725 million on players. What does a recruiting class look like if you got a guy who's willing to spend $725 million? I mean, is it just you got the number one guy at every position and then you just filled in with the rest of those guys? No, yeah, the rest I really of the want top to go to Alabama out of $12 million staled. Yeah, you know, Exactly. There are a lot of people that have thrown around Tim Cook's name. Um, not Tim interested Cook. in athletics. Well, he's really, the CEO of from Apple, what I've heard but of I him. mean, it, it's not like Tim Cook has Jeff Bezos' money either. Yes. He's got plenty of money. Right. The, the difference between billions and millions, man, it's, it's just so dramatic. You mentioned Houston basketball. Is that the closest thing that we've seen to that? Now, you know, it's not billions and all that, but but Houston basketball is really good because they're coached well. Oregon football. Also, they're funded well. Oregon football is up there. Oregon football, when I was a kid, was nothing. And and now it's year in, year out a contender. Yeah. I haven't won a national title, but they've, they've, they've played, you know, in big games. Tim Cook officially became a billionaire at the end of 2022. I'm talking about one He's of these guys has got, like, Collection phase. Yeah, yeah. He's he's still in his wealth building years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Take a timeout. Back with you after this. Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk. Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Is it over? Chelsea still playing? Are you still nervous? Uh... Still, still seven minutes plus stoppage time. Score? Uh, two nil Chelsea, two one on aggregate. So they would advance if this holds. Mm. Uh, pitching matchup tonight in Oxford. Swayze Field, six thirty first pitch for Southern Miss and Ole Miss. Colby Allen 
That was announced during the show yesterday, but uh, not from Scott Barry. He wanted to let it get out officially before he gave us the heads up. Uh, understandably so, I guess. The uh, the right-hander Colby Allen will start for Southern Miss. The numbers don't blow you away. Scott Barry did tell us that they were probably going to pitch a bunch of guys uh, in the uh, in the game tonight. He's 0-0 on the year with a 16.2 ERA. He's got three strikeouts. He's not walked a batter this season. Uh, right-handed pitcher, freshman, JT Quinn, is going tonight for Ole Miss. He's 2-0. ERA's up there a little bit, 6.75. He's got 14 strikeouts and has walked eight this season. This is... You can't really... Can't really say ERA is up there a little bit when the first guy was a 16. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was. Yes, you're, you're right. Um, but in the grand scheme, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Um, you guys saw Southern Miss and Mississippi State play last week. Well, we know what Southern Miss baseball is. Yeah. We know what Ole Miss baseball is. What's tonight going to look like? It's interesting, right? Uh, you know, this is. I, in-state rivalry notwithstanding, which is an important data point, but still remove that away, this Ole Miss team has eliminated Southern Miss from the last two postseasons, including last year on their field. Blanked them on their field. What was it, 15 to nothing on combined score at home? Yeah. So I imagine with a lot of those guys coming back, there's going to be a little bit of extra juice on their end. They've got a little bit of momentum as well. But this is interesting. I'm curious to see how much emphasis Scott Barry puts on this, like trying to win this game to main, not only maintain momentum, but you've already got to win over Mississippi State. Safe fans, you hope that ends up looking good on their resume. If you can beat Ole Miss too, you, you've got a couple of, of of strong data points if it comes down to possibly hosting a regional again. So this is an important one for Southern Miss tonight, not, not just to keep momentum, but to have a, a data point on your resume because even if Ole Miss falls off, based on what they've done so far and, and what it will be at the end of the season, it's a huge RPI opportunity for Southern Miss tonight. Huge one, even though it's just one game. And if if you want to compare numbers, you certainly can do that. Um, sometimes that means something. Sometimes it doesn't mean anything. But if you're comparing these two offenses, there's there's really not a comparison. Ole Miss is hitting almost 100 points higher on the season than Southern Miss is. Southern Miss got a 256 team batting average. Ole Miss is hitting it at a 352 clip. I think uh, I misspoke, by the way. You hope that the Mississippi State loss of your Southern Miss does not hurt you. They, they did not win the game. That That's what I meant. Sure. I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. Uh, Southern Miss has hit eight home runs this season. Ole Miss has hit 23. Um. Slugging percentage on the year for Southern Miss is 411 for Ole Miss at 603. I mean, that, the offensive numbers, they're just, they're, they're polar opposites. And, and so that kind of matters in the aggregate, but in like the micro, I don't know if it matters, right? Because I mean, it's what you do on that particular night. You know, what does Southern Miss get from their starting pitcher tonight? What does Colby Allen give Scott Berry? In, Three outings this season, he's worked in combined inning in two thirds, and he's given up a bunch of hits and, and you know more runs than he would like. But it's a small sample size. Does he find something tonight and go out and give Southern Miss three or four innings to to start the ball game? You, you know you're not going to see the top three pitchers for Southern Miss, 
right? You're, you're not seeing Tanner Hall. You're not seeing Nico Mazza. You're not seeing Matthew Adams. But after that, you might see a bunch of guys. And Scott Barry told us yesterday that they haven't settled into that. Okay, this is our closer. They're still kind of trying to, um, trying to kind of figure that out. I think this is a fascinating matchup tonight. It is. And then on the flip side for Ole Miss, what about JT Quinn? He's he's shown some flashes of the future's really bright. Really bright. Feels like the word opportunity should be used for JT Quinn here. I think that's fair. Because, you know, if you're going to make another run, right, you need a fourth pitcher. And and you mentioned it. You can see in the stuff why he was in the mix for a weekend spot, despite also being a freshman. Got beat out by one, but either way, you can see the stuff is there. Command hasn't been, though. I mean, and not just the eight walks, but it, it not located. He's a freshman, you know. I mean, it's it's okay that he's not perfect with location right now. Those things tend to get better, especially in Mike Bianco's program. But that, that's if they're going to have a reliable fourth pitcher to like win a regional final or something like that, it's got to start improving because I think he's got the stuff to to be effective in that role. Yeah. Four o'clock hour coming up. It's going to be a busy four o'clock hour. Luke Johnson will join us. The Luke Johnson that covers the New Orleans Saints. We'll get into that. We're going to get into a conversation with Kendall Rogers when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Great to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. On Tuesdays during baseball season for the last couple of years, we have uh, we have been joined by Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. You can follow them along at d1baseball.com. That is a subscription that is worthy of your dollars. If you are a college baseball fan, it is not expensive, but the content is plentiful. Kendall joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Hello, Kendall. How's it going, Richard? Good, man. Good to be with you. Uh, we It, it feels you like well. we have gotten through the first couple of weeks, and now we're into that off and running part of the uh, the college baseball season. Not quite to conference play. It'll get here before we know it. Mm-hmm. So with, what, two full weekends, three full weekends in the books, what have you seen so far that really stands out to you? I think the presence of the long ball in college baseball. I mean, we're, we're about like 900 home runs over what we had last year this time, um, and that's a pretty significant number. Um, I don't know, you know, from the games you've seen, you know, if you've seen more power production, but to have 900 to 1,000 more home runs at this point uh, in the season versus last year at this point is pretty loud. And granted, uh, I will say the weather has been a little warmer uh, this year. I feel like the weather has definitely been much warmer, at least here in Texas yeah. um, in the last month. But uh, still, to have a much more power production, uh, that's really kind of standing out to me. I think the other thing for me is uh, the pitch rules are growing on me. 
Um, I, you know, at, at first I was kind of one of those people. It's like, man, I don't, I don't really like these pitch, pitch clock rules. But I mean, tell you what, I mean, I don't know how many games you've been to, but it has sped up the game. I mean, I think that, I think of all the games I've gone to, I don't, other than A&M and the Texas Tech going 16 innings of the night, uh, I think every game I've been to has been, you know, within, you know, two and a half to three and a half hours. And that's, that's a good, you know, step in the right direction. Yeah, because absent those rules with the uptick in offense, we might be at the ball yard forever. No, there's no doubt. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm even looking at the extra inning rules and thinking, you know what, you know, after being, sitting through 16 innings of A&M and Texas Tech that night, I'm kind of like, you know what, I might actually be okay with that. Like, you know, the, the problem you run into with those extra inning games is if you get in those 12, let's say you play 15 innings, when you get in those 11 to 15 inning games, I mean, everybody's just hacking. And at that that's a quick way to remedy that and also, by the way, make it really exciting for the fans. Yeah, I uh, I suppose that's the case. Let's um let's pull it back to the SEC. There were uh, there were some week one overreactions, right? Uh, there were people that overreacted to Tennessee. Now, in fairness, Tennessee played really good teams in the first week, and then they came home and they've had a kind of a garbage schedule since then, and they've won a bunch of games in a row. But this Tennessee team is good. Um, there was some overreaction after the first week to Tennessee, not necessarily from you guys, but but from other places. Um. I might argue that there was overreaction before the season began to LSU, like crowning them the greatest team in the history of college baseball might have been a little <laughs> premature. Uh, they've been good. I don't know if they've been great. I don't know yeah. if they've looked unbeatable. Uh, uh, give me a couple of storylines of SEC teams that maybe you think we overreacted to earlier. Maybe we've even undervalued. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I would say overvalued. I would say at this point A&M. I mean, I, I saw A&M over the weekend. Grant, they came back and – Won the Texas or they won the Texas Tech game and give them credit for that credit for going three one, but this is an offense that has been much different. You know, honestly, Richard, kind of going back to these clock rules. If you remember last year, and I remember Ole Miss fans were grumbling and, and rightfully so when I was watching that series on TV. Uh, you know, they were the classic step out of the box, readjust eight different yep. things, and get back in the box. And I don't think it's a coincidence that early this season they've really scuffled offensively. Now Austin Bose and a few others have kind of figured things out offensively. But, uh, you know, A&M, outside of their pitching, has been a little suspect for me. I, again, kind of like last year, I think they'll be fine. But they're a question mark for me. I think, you know, LSU uh, has been really good. They have not been this unbeatable force. And, and anybody that thought they'd be unbeatable in the SEC was crazy. But uh, they've been good. They haven't been great. I think Tennessee has shown since, you know, trip out west uh, that they'll be just fine. I think when you look, look around the country or look around the conference, the really interesting thing for me is the, the kind of the parallels between Arkansas and Ole Miss. You know, both schools, you know, lost their Friday guy. Granted, Ole Miss hasn't lost Hunter Elliott for the year just yet. Uh, they're going to give him a shot to come back. But, you know, Arkansas loses Jackson Wiggins. They've lost Brady Tiger now in the back end. Granted, he's probably out five or six weeks with the UCL strain. That's a tough injury to come back from. But then you look at Ole Miss, you know, losing Josh Mallett before the season. And so uh, the parallel between those two schools is pretty interesting to me. And then I kind of look at – uh, clubs like Alabama, South Carolina, Auburn, all three of those teams have played exceptionally good baseball here early on. Outside of Clemson over the weekend uh, with South Carolina, those three teams have not played great competition. So I'm just curious to see how, once they get into conference play, how those three programs fare because South Carolina and, and uh, Alabama were two programs we thought would take a big step forward this year. Uh, a lot of people criticized us for even having them ranked. And so far – They've looked pretty good, but we'll see if that continues when conference play uh, begins in a couple of weeks. 
You've made passing mention. Let's talk specifically about the three schools here in Mississippi that so many people uh, keep their eyes on. Yeah. Ole Miss still sitting at number four. That's where they were to begin the season. They're ten and two. Game against Southern Miss tonight. They've got Purdue this this coming weekend, and and then they're going to roll into SEC play. In just a brutal first half of the league schedule. Um, Ole Miss has really swung it well. So, mm-hmm. so I guess two parts. One. Do you believe they will continue to be this good offensively? And two, are you starting to buy into them figuring it out on the mound, or are you worried about their pitching long term? Well, I'll say this about their offense: I'm not surprised they're hitting the way they are. You know, I thought they made some outstanding additions in the offseason. Anthony Clarko is certainly uh, just a well-known, consistent, productive college baseball player. Uh, obviously, I loved Ethan Groff at Tulane. Yeah. Uh, when he went to Ole Miss, I was thinking, like, man, that's a really good pickup when you throw him in the mix with the rest of that lineup. But, you know, they've been very good top to bottom. You know, Kemp Alderman has has kind of taken that step forward that we all all kind of expected. And granted, he was good last year. But I feel like he's taken that next step forward. You know, T.J. McCants has had some big hits. Uh, you know, and I think, you know, pitching-wise, you know, the, the bad news is you may not get Hunter Elliott back. It's to be determined at this point. You don't have Josh Mallett. But you know what? You lost those two guys early in the season. And I think if you're old Miss, you would much rather lose those guys, you know, week, week two or preseason than lose those guys in the middle of conference play. Because now I think if you're, if you're laughing and you're, you might be anchor, you can kind of look at the situation and go, okay, you know, we're behind the eight ball a little bit, but you know what we can do? We can find out a formula that allows us to win games uh, once we get into conference play. And here's the thing. They're such a good offensive team. But I don't think they need some just, you know, rock star pitching stuff. Like, I think if they can go into conference play and, you know, allow four to five runs a game, uh, I think they're going to win a lot of baseball games in that conference. So it's just a really lucky year that their offense is this good because I think that their offense is probably one of the top three or four in the country for me. Kendall, I thought on the heels of losing a series to Illinois and losing to Mississippi State when you had a lead late in the, mm-hmm. in the midweek, the sweep of Dallas Baptist for Southern Miss was just massive. It was. It was huge. And I think the, the biggest takeaway I have on the SM is um, they pitched well. Um, I think we all went to the Illinois series. And granted, you know, Illinois didn't play that batting against Wake Forest a few weeks ago. But, I mean, I think we all went to that, that Illinois series and said, whoa, like we've all talked about how great, you know, O'Stranger's pitching staff is. But, man, they get bombed Illinois. And they, you know, struggle against Mississippi State, and they come back over the weekend against a good DBU club, and they take care of business. So I think the biggest thing for them, uh, as you look with conference play beginning a couple weekends in, in San Marcos, is you want to play well against Ole Miss tonight. You want to kind of get the, you know, get, get the pitching staff to continue to get back on track. But there's no doubt when you look at the weekend against DBU, uh, I don't think DBU is a great team, but they are definitely a postseason caliber club. And to pitch that well just kind of reaffirms what I think that this is a really good baseball team. Uh, let's do this for Mississippi State. Buy, sell, or hold. You look at this Mississippi State team, it has been a disaster defensively. Uh, They have not swung it consistently, and pitching has been a problem as well. Are you selling Mississippi State? Are you holding them? I mean, I'm assuming buy is not necessarily the route that you'll go. Uh, I'm holding for now. I'm always one of those people... I call it the Texas A&M rule, and that goes back to last year when A&M, ironically enough, the Frisco Classic, they could not have looked worse. And this is right after – remember, this is a week after they lost the series to Penn uh, at home. And, you know, I remember we're all thinking, like, oh, boy, man, we're going 
Like, Jim Schlossnagel is really going to regret going there because they're about to finish last in the league. Well, they finished Final Four in the country. And so I'm not sitting there saying Mississippi State's going to do that, but what I'm saying is, like, all these people are, oh, Chris Lamont needs to be fired now, and this team has no shot. Like, let's, let's let the season play, or let's at least let the first few weeks of conference play play out before you draw conclusions. But there's no doubt, man. If you do not play defense in this league, and frankly, if you don't play defense against Ohio, you know, teams like uh, Cal, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, you're not going to win a lot of games. But if you don't play defense in the SEC, uh, you're in trouble. And, you know, they've got guys in that lineup who have Philly percentages under 900. And uh, that's going to have to improve. And the problem you run into is, they're not playing great defense, and we all know that is kind of, you know, that that's interconnected with the pitching. If the defense is going to struggle, the pitching's probably going to struggle. And so they need those two things. They, they need those, those two wires to kind of come together, so to speak. And uh, I just have, I mean, I continue to have major question marks on just their week in rotation. Like, you know, uh, you know the, the switch pitcher has done a really nice job for them at times this year. But, I mean, uh, you know, I know they call it like a spot start, but like, you know, is he a guy that, you know, doing SEC play that you want to have to rely on? Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Got uh, some Hollywood political news for you guys. This will be right up your alley, hey, Deb? Yes. All right, I'm excited. Um, Ben Savage, that name do anything for you? It's a cool name. I know who it is. What if I, I tell you uh, I'm talking about Corey from Boy Meets World? Yeah. That's where I know him from. Uh, Corey from Boy Meets World, whose real name is Ben Savage, who is the younger brother of Fred Randy Savage. Savage. Uh, Say again. It's Randy Savage. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he is running for a United States House of Representatives seat as a Democrat from California. It is the seat that is being vacated by um, Adam Schiff, who's running for Senate. This is not his first foray into politics. He started out... He ran for student body president. I remember that episode, yeah. (laughs) Did he win that? I don't know. I never watched that show. I'm just kidding. Um, My wife could tell you. Look. Uh, yeah, by the way, for those of you listening who are, are saying to yourself as you're driving down your down the road, Topanga, Topanga, Topanga. Yes, yes, we know, Topanga. We well, I'm it. saying First Lady Topanga works for me, so hopefully he wins. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, Borky, he ran for a seat on the West Hollywood City Council last year. How do you think that went? Did he get smoked? How do you think that went? He must not have won. Because you're not referring to him as Councilman Ben Savage. I'm not. He garnered 
6% of the vote. Yeah. And so after garnering 6% of the vote in the West Hollywood City Council race last year... In fairness, he ran against Steve Urkel, who just dominated. You know, his resume, he's more qualified than most of the jokers that go up to Congress, so... Uh. I mean, he was an actor on a successful TV show. That's better than, like, being a criminal, which is what most of them are. talking about that. That George Santos was, like, the lead character on five TV shows. If you ask him. Mm. If you ask him. So, anyway. He's he's had a bit of a difficult relationship with the truth, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, they all do. He's just more brazen than the rest of them, I guess. He's kind of like my relationship with calories. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, uh, via Instagram, Savage said, it's time to restore faith in government. And voters want leaders that are unhindered by political divisions and special interests. I firmly believe in standing up for what is right, ensuring equality, and expanding opportunities for all. Yeah, that's what they all say. Wait, is he supposed to say equality or equity? I can't ever remember which it is. Isn't it funnier if you picture Randy Savage saying this, though? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Equality and opportunity. Uh-huh. You know, of all the football I coaches... I believe in standing up for what is right. Yes! That's not bad! That's Ensuring not bad! Ensuring equality and expanding opportunities for all! you got to bring it down some, though. you got to bring it yeah, down. Yeah, well... He's up and down. Well, I was going to ask about Mr. Mm-hmm. Feeney as well. Uh, uh, I Mr. Feeney feels about this. He's the campaign advisor. Is he still around? I think he actually passed away, yeah. I think he recently passed away. Yeah, Feeney would be a good choice. I mean, of all the actors, that's not the guy I want. It's the same thing with football coaches. Like, of all the football coaches that we could have elected... T. Nelson. We picked Tommy Tuberville. Like, the most dishonest of them all. You mean real-life football coaches? Yes! I thought you meant TV football coaches. And now, after all of his whining, I don't want Nick Saban anywhere near public office either. Gee, show some strength, man. I... He turned the house. Brian Kelly for president. That. Oh, that yeah. fits the the mold of super slimy and uncomfortable. That 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 just he'd slide right in after the current one. Uh, sorry, if Lane had taken the Auburn job, I was thinking we were twenty years away from Senator Kiffin. How would that have looked? I couldn't wait to see it. Uh, ceasefire text line, but he's a de- a Democrat. Uh, okay, I, that was yes, sure. Uh, George Santos is my favorite former WWE champion. <laughs> I remember when he beat The Rock. Uh, also, Topanga's husband is that weirdo that lied about shrimp in his cinnamon toast crunch a few years back. Really? I missed that story. I remember uh, the story. I didn't know that was Topanga's husband. Oh, no, no. Oh, Here we go. Okay, so wasn't Ben Savage the little actor on Wonder Years? No, that is Ben no, Savage's Fred's. brother, Fred Savage, which brings up a far more important question. Cuter, on-screen, teenage crush, Topanga or right. Winnie? The voting would be tight here. All right. It is. We are percentage points. All right. I want all precincts in before we make a decision on this. Wait, Topanga versus oh, wait, who? Winnie? Winnie Cooper? Wait, you don't remember the Wonder Years, Borky? He wouldn't Wonder have even years. been born. Oh. Winnie Cooper, by the way, now? The Wonder Years last aired when I was one. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Topanga still holds up too. I mean, they, these are two. They were two, you know, teenage crushes that turned into beautiful it, women. It's the wrong debate. It, it's Topanga versus Kelly Kapowski. Oh, that's that's no debate whatsoever, my friend. No, oh, that yeah, is Kelly I'm, I'm Kapowski Kelly all Kapowski. day, every day. Yeah, that 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 all was day, what every I grew day. Up Kelly on. Kapowski. It was was Kelly. Yeah. 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 No, no, that's not a debate. But that was it. We're comparing an apple and an orange, and you're like, yeah, but this sweet potato. It'll stay in the fruits. Well, I, I mean, there was a connection years. I, I don't know. I mean, yes. Yeah. Of course, it's Kelly Kapowski. I don't know, man. I'm There's gonna, I'm gonna go. Although, although the nine oh two one nine oh two one oh years for her were those were that was some edgy rough. time. Tiffany Amber yeah, Thiessen had some, there were some edgy years post Saved by yeah. the Bell. It happens. To answer your question, Richard, if you made me choose, I know who what you're going to say. Oh, Bango. oh! I thought you were going to say Winnie. Nah, it's Bango. Mm. And Winnie Cooper, you know, especially like I said nowadays, but. What if I added one more? What if I added one more name to the list? I know Borky I mean, wants I'm to listening. pull it farther. I like that. Like we got to stay in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And and what if I threw Elizabeth Shue into the mix? We're talking Allie with an eye. We're talking the uh, babysitter in Adventures in yeah, Babysitting. Yeah. yeah. Just saying. Yeah, these these are all. There's no there's no wrong choice. Whatever choice you make, you're going to be happy at the end of the day. Most people are answering either Winnie or Topanga, and then we randomly get a message for Kelly Bundy. I mean, at the time. And by the way, that's Elizabeth spelled with an S, not a Z. Elizabeth Shoe. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, kind of, with you on this uh, this Tuesday afternoon. I don't know how reliable radar online is, but apparently uh, your favorite Elizabeth Shue was recently spotted with Bill Gates, so her judgment, not particularly good. Did you just say that trying to hook up with one of the world's wealthiest men is a poor idea? You know why he got divorced? I, I'm just saying. I don't care money. how many billions you have. If you're hanging out on Epstein Island, I don't know if... I don't, I think there's other saying, billionaires out there. there. There's more. Are there? There's, there's more. We have, we've explored <laughs> some, some new horizons today. Somebody asking, are we talking pervs watching young girls? I was young when they were young. Yes. Yes. And all the people that we're talking about are our age now. By the way, they're our age or older now. Jeez. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that was, by the way, as tame and gentle a conversation as it could possibly could have been a lot worse. be. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can join us on the ceasefire text line, as many of you are doing. Somebody says, finally, something I agree with Cross on, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. You know, it's the Karate Kid thing for you. Like every twelve or thirteen or fourteen year old kid that watches movies or television or whatever has some on screen crush. 
Yeah. Ooh, yeah. how about this one? This is this is a uh, this is a Stephen Hurley with a little bit of a hot take. He says, "Give me Jesse over Kelly all day." Nah. What? Nah. Nah. Speaking of post Save by the Bell life decisions, she made a few interesting ones in her acting career. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll talk some New Orleans Saints quarterback next. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. Now. So I'm going to put you down. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Time for us to go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. We are joined by Luke Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at by Luke Johnson. Covers the Saints for the New Orleans Advocate. And uh, kind of spend a few minutes uh, with us, Luke. Good to uh, good to catch up. It's uh, it's been kind of a news heavy couple of days in and around the Saints, and obviously the uh, the quarterback conversation is where we begin. So, what do you make of the Derek Carr signing? Uh, well, I, I think it was uh, yeah the the best available option by a pretty wide margin, um, and uh, yeah, I think the Saints very quickly zeroed in on him as as their guy and they made every single possible effort uh, to go for him because I, I really don't think they liked any of the options behind them. You know, um, yeah, I think they kind of viewed uh, some of the potential you know, guys who, who they could fit in who weren't Derek Carr as you know, kind of you know, tell, tell the dogs we said hello. It's always good yeah, to hear yeah, from yeah, them as well. It's been a while. Dogs are all about the Derek Carr signing. No, I was saying, you know, I think they, they viewed some of the guys out there who weren't Derek Carr as you know, kind of comparable to Andy Dalton, right? I think they liked mm. Andy Dalton. They liked what he did last year, but they, they didn't want to bring him back as their starting quarterback. Um, and you know, if they're going to go get somebody who's not Derek Carr, you know, they kind of viewed, viewed them in, through the same lens, except they'd be more expensive. So, yeah, I think they, they put everything they had into to going to get Carr and to making sure he was their guy, um, and they, you know, they got it done. And honestly, yeah, I know 150 million seems like a lot, um, especially for a guy who's, you know, in nine years as a starter has played in one playoff game. Um, but you know, if, if he is anywhere close to what they think he's going to be, um, you know, that's a that's a pretty big bargain considering some of the other deals that are going to be signed by NFL quarterbacks in this coming, uh, you know, this coming three or four months. I mean, Luke, yesterday we came on the air and Michael Borky tells me that the Saints are back, they're going 17-0, and 0, and they might as well cancel the season because it's just a formality. You're not <laughs> sort of go quite that far, are you? Uh, no, no. Look, I, I am not, uh, I'm not even you know, going to say they, they belong as a Super Bowl contender right now, right? I, I think they've got work to do. Um, but, look, there's no getting around it. This is, it is the most important position in football. Okay. If you don't have a quarterback, yeah. you're not going to do anything, right? And and I think, you know, all it really takes when when you have a guy you you trust a quarterback is a, it, I think it's a lot easier to hit on some of the other positions, right? Like you're not going to have a, a draft class like 2017 very often. Those are those are exceedingly rare. 
but you know, if you get a 2017 like draft class and you have a quarterback, you like all of a sudden, you know, you can change a team's fortunes like that. Um, so it, it was the most important question they had to answer this this offseason. They had to do something big, and I think they did. And now their chances of fielding a much better team around them are much better than if they were going into this, you know, hoping to hit on a rookie quarterback or you know, hoping you know, Jimmy G is is not just you know kind of a, a product of the 49ers system and you know and that he stays healthy for the first time in a couple of years. Yeah, you know, I, I just think it's um, they're in a much better place right now than they were you know, at this time last year, or you know, much more than they were at this time three days ago. So, so how would you classify Derek Carr as serviceable, as good, as really good, as exceptional? I think he's he's good, right? I, I think if you're looking at him, he is you know, historically middle of the road NFL starter, good NFL starter. Yeah, I, I think like a top twelve to fifteen, right? And that is that is he's he's done that while playing for a dysfunctional organization. Um, he's never played with a good defense. He's got that here. Um, yeah, he's, he's had some good pass catchers, but uh, you know, nobody he's, he's played really extensively with. Um, so I think he's good with the potential to be really good, right? Top 10, top 8. Um, I don't think he's going to be, he's ever going to be the guy who you look at and say they're immediately a Super Bowl contender, right? Or, or a favorite. Um, but I think he can be a, a really, really important piece. Um, and, you know, if, if you do the right things, building a roster around him, I, I think you have a, a chance to, to be a team that, that contends and competes. All right, and that's, so that's the... exactly where the Saints want to be. I think they should be – look, they've, they've kind of caught some flack because they're always up against the salary cap and you know, people are wondering why they're going for it, <laughs> why they're being aggressive. But, like, I'd much rather have that than you know, be rooting for the Jets and, and your team sucks every year. And you just got to – Got the fact that your team is going to suck until it, it, it's a lucky lottery ticket. So, Luke, you're only supposed to lead me into one question at a time, not into my next two questions. Um, but, but you hit on both of those, salary cap and, and roster construction. Let's start with the salary cap, because for the 75th consecutive year, the Saints are over the cap, and we're all worried, oh, gosh, how are they going to get under the cap? And they always do. What are the moves that they're going to make, ultimately, to get under that number so that they're in a spot to move forward into the new league year? Yeah, yeah, you know, look, I, I know we kind of like talk about it like jokingly because this is like a, a topic of conversation every year. But yeah. look, with each additional year that they do this and they keep tacking on void years and, and you know, pushing money down the road, I, I mean, it becomes harder, right? Um, you know, I, they're, they're going to be paying you know, some guys this year a lot of money to not play football for them. Um, and that's a, like a direct result of, of the way they've managed the cap. Um, so it's going to be hard. Uh, I think they've, they've to this point cleared something like 42 million, um, in 2023 cap space. And they still got like 18 million to go just to be solvent. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they got to fit in their cars cap number. I don't, I don't know the, uh, exact specifics on it yet, but I mean, I mean, you know, it, probably with a pro rate mm-hmm. bonus going to be somewhere in the, realm of eight or nine million dollars this year um it's, it's gonna be tough i mean they're gonna have to they're gonna have to restructure a guy like cam jordan yeah they, they might have to make some cuts of players they don't really want to cut um they might not be able to keep some guys they want to keep it's gonna be hard for them to keep Caden ellis I, I, you know, when you're just thinking about 
smartly allocating resources as much as you'd love to have a really young ascending player. Um, does it make sense for them to to pay eight or nine million dollars a year or more to uh, to somebody who's going to be their third linebacker when they only have two guys in the field? I mean, yeah. probably not. So, um, I mean, they got a lot of work to do still, um, and it's going to be really intriguing to see what they do with some guys. Yeah, you know, they're going to try to get Michael Thomas to take a pay cut. Um, we'll see if he does that. Um, you know, they're going to try. You know, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Jameis Winston. Um, yeah, it makes more sense for them to release him as a post-June 1st cut. Um, but the problem with doing that is you don't realize the cap savings until June 2nd. Um, so, you know, I don't know. They've, they've, got, they've got a lot of stuff to figure out. I, luckily for them, you know, Kai Harley is way smarter than I am. He probably has all these moves mapped out. He probably has for two years by now. Um, but, you know, it's a lot. And what, what was the next part? Well, I was just going to say the, the final thing, we've got about – two and a half minutes left, is when, when you look at the draft um, and, and you think about, you, you know, you mentioned the 2017 draft a second ago. You think about positions of need. You think about guys that they may have to cut between now and, you know, then because they're making room for guys coming in, which are less expensive. Where are you targeting, especially in the first round and, and then in terms of needs during during this draft? So yeah, I think there's three very clear spaces where they need to address all right and it's uh to me as the roster currently stands as running back uh a receiver or tight end just somebody who's going to be like a big bodied 50 50 target winner um and interior defensive line and uh i think they could go any one of those directions at number 29 number 40 whatever um it just kind of depends on who's there. You know, I was looking around at some of the, the mock drafts, and you know, a couple of them had him taking Clemson defensive tackle Brian Bessie with their their number one pick, and I think that'd be a good pick. Yeah. Yeah, he's a guy I'm, I'm not sure will be there, uh, but if he is, yeah, he'd be awesome. They, he fills a huge need for them. They, they have one defensive tackle on their roster right now. If you know, if Bijan Robinson falls toward the back end of the first round, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, if he's there at 29, absolutely. Uh, you know, he's a great, great football player. But if he's there at like 27 or 26, like do the Saints try to trade up for him? I mean, maybe it, it could be a huge part of what they do this year, especially with Alvin Kamara facing some sort of elite discipline. Um, or maybe you know, there's this class of tight ends is awesome. And Look, Jawan Johnson played really well last year. I still really like Adam Troutman. I think he's a big part of what they do. But the fact of the matter is that when it came down to third and seven, um, you know, their third and goal from the seven, they had like nobody they could throw the ball to last year because they, they didn't really trust anybody to go make a contested catch. Um, you know, they probably lost, you know, and, and they're like, I, I had guys with the Saints tell me they, they feel like they lost like three games last year because they didn't have that guy. Wow. It's a really, really important part of their offense. So any one of those three positions, even if they bring Mike Thomas back, I expect him to go get a contested catch guy. Um, they're really important. They they will address them this offseason in some way, shape, or form through free agency or the draft or both. Look, great catching up, man. Always appreciate the insight. You do a great job covering uh, this team, and it's a team that matters so much to a ton of people in Mississippi. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Sounds great, man. Talk to you soon. Flo Johnson from the Advocate covers uh, the New Orleans Saints. I mean, that's that's some deep dive, high level insight there into uh, what's coming up. For, uh, for New Orleans in the, the coming weeks, coming days, coming months as we get closer to the NFL draft. Luke joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. 
Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. That was really good with Luke Johnson from The Advocate. If if you hadn't if you kind of checked out on the Saints since since the end of football season and you needed a little bit of an update on, hey, this is what's going on, this is where they're looking, this is where they're focusing, you got a lot of that. And I asked him specifically about, you know, how he would quantify or classify Derek Carr as serviceable, good, really good, or exceptional. And he said, good with the chance to become really good. And I can agree with that. Um, I know you were being a little hyperbolic yesterday, Borky. I'm not sure that Derek Carr is the savior. I'm no. not sure that he's Drew Brees 2.0. But he's a good quarterback. And in, in fairness to me, I followed it up with, uh, realistically, it makes you a favorite in a division filled with bad quarterbacks and bad rosters, and winning a division and hosting a playoff game is now completely within reach. They'll be the betting favorite, unless the Falcons, which reportedly they're not even going to try, but in the unlikely scenario in which the Falcons sign Lamar Jackson, which is a very small percentage, they'll be the betting favorite going into the season. Relevance is all you're asking for right now. I was listening to T-Bob, actually, earlier, and he mentioned that. He just... It would be good for them to prove that they don't need Sean Payton and Drew Brees to win the division. Just to 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 become kind of what the Steelers are. It's been a while since the Steelers have won a Super Bowl, but everybody respects them. Why? Because they're always good, they're always relevant, and that good and relevance transcends one coach. And so it would just be nice for the Saints to do that for a couple of years. Just be good and relevant, host a playoff game without Sean Payton. Yeah, I saw an interesting stat yesterday that the NFC South will all four teams will have a different starting quarterback in Week One than they had in Week One the previous year. First time it's happened. Ooh, ever? I think it was ever. I'd have to go back and look, but it, I mean it had been a long, long time wow. where everybody in the division has a different starting quarterback. Yeah. What? Did who started the opener for Carolina? Darnold. Darnold. Did he start game one? I think so. Or, or did Baker start game one? It was Baker. Was Baker there by week it, one? It, it was Baker. Because he he beat the Saints in week two or week three, whatever week. That's that right. Was. It was because they were playing the Browns, and everybody was like, "He's going to get his revenge," and he didn't. So yes, that is correct. So Carolina's going to have a new starter. Mm-hmm. The Mariota started for the Falcons, right? Yep. And so, so Mariota started week one, and they and he's been released. Finished up the year with Desmond Ritter. 
He was, and he's been released. So. He released himself. He quit when they decided to start the rookie. He literally quit. Okay. Just decided not to show up anymore. Aloha meant goodbye to him. Yeah. Saints are clearly going to be different. Kyle Man Trask obviously going to start in Tampa. That That's at least the messaging coming from Tampa uh, is well, Kyle Trask. They're, they're good with him. The, 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 the year that I never would look at Kyle Trask and be like, you know what, that's an elite NFL starting quarterback. Maybe he'll prove us wrong. But the year that he had at Florida, it came out of nowhere. He was remember good. Kyle Trask? Let, you, you remember let me that? ask you this. That's a real easy question, too. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was I like, just, who was better in college, Kyle Trask or Will Levis? Well, Kyle Trask. It's not close, right? Oh, it's Same with Anthony close. Richardson. It's not close. What would have Florida, Florida's record been last year with Kyle Trask instead of Anthony Richardson? Better. Better. They don't lose to Vanderbilt. Yeah. No. I mean, you, you remember the Missouri story on Kyle Trask yeah. was he, he, he jumps into the starting role because of an injury at quarterback. And it was like, this guy hasn't started since junior high. Because he never started a game in high school. He still gets a college scholarship, and he comes in, and then all of a sudden he's got a pretty good weapon in Kyle Pitts at tight end. And what was the 2020 season, right? It wasn't it the COVID year? Yes. Because Kyle Pitts is still open against Ole Miss down the yeah. middle, and Kyle Trask is still dropping dimes. That was a fun game at the beginning of the year. That was game yeah. one of the Lane Kiffin era at Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah. We got a question on the text line, by the way. I'll try to do it fast. What does Lamar Jackson getting franchise tagged means? So so he got non-exclusive franchise tagged. So a franchise tag is is something that a team can use on one player each year that forces the player into a one-year deal with that team at the end of their contract, and they have to pay the average of the top five players in that position for that one year. Lamar Jackson got non-exclusive franchise tag, which means other teams can negotiate with and offer him a contract, but the Ravens have a chance to match it, and if they do, he has to play with the Ravens. If they don't, the team that offered him has to give up two first-round picks to get him, plus that salary that they offered him. Yeah. And it's a it's a, it's a a bit of a roll of the dice, but already yeah. they're like five or six teams are like, yeah, we're not interested. And so the Ravens are saying, nobody really wants him. That's why we weren't paying him. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. hour with you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. A reminder, country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford and Super Talk Mississippi is giving you a chance to win tickets. Just enter your name at one of the registration boxes located throughout the state at places like Weathers Auto Supply in Tupelo, Be Quick in Macomb, or at Waverly Boutique in Columbus. There are many more locations. You can find the full list at supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen. Winners will get two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium on Sunday, April 23rd. It's all brought to you by Toyota of Brookhaven, Jumpstart Test Prep, King's Daughters Medical Center, 
and First South Farm Credit. Also, Middays with Gerard Gibbert will be at the Mississippi Trademark tomorrow for the Mississippi Construction Education Foundation Skills Competition. Registration starts soon. You can go to mcef.net for more information. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Check out ceasefire.com for all of the deals available and great customer service, right? You go into a ceasefire store, you, you, you sign in and you wait just a few minutes until one of their representatives comes to you. I had the experience just yesterday. Something was wrong with my da- daughter's phone. Go in, uh, meet with the gentleman who is, uh, his, the, the customer service rep. He walks me through the problem, fixes it, gets me out the door in five or ten minutes, and boom. That's how it is all across the state of Mississippi, at your local C Spire stores. If you're not a C Spire customer, I mean, why not? They're customer-inspired. They're a Mississippi-based company. You're going to want to be part of that family. Cspire.com. All right. College football fix. Let's uh, Let's do that. It is Truck Month, Mississippi, Ford F-150, all-new Ford Super Duty, Ranger, Maverick. If you're looking for a pickup-size vehicle, you can start your search online at buyfordnow.com. But visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Vehicles on the lot. You can test drive one today. You're going to love it. 43 straight years. That's how long F-Series has been the number one selling truck in America. Brad Haydad. Mississippi State is starting football spring practice. Practice. Correct. What um That's what we're gonna talk about. What do we need to learn over the next That's a good question. six weeks or so? Six, eight <clears throat> weeks. Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about well, we talked a lot about this on today's Thunder and Lightning podcast about Will Rogers and we're going to find out really what kind of quarterback, what kind of legacy Will Rogers has in the SEC. I mean, he was on the a path to becoming the all-time leading passer in SEC history and setting records that would might be considered unbreakable uh, outside of teams that run the same kind of offense. But he's also, you know, had to bear the label of system quarterback. Right. He only does this because of the air raid. And fair or unfair, now he has an, a real opportunity to show off what kind of quarterback he is. You know, this is a totally different offense. It's going to ask a whole lot of uh, uh, different of him. Uh, he's going to have to push the ball down the field. He's going to have to, you know, be more, you know, more accurate's not the right word, but more accurate in the intermediate to deep passing game is where Mississippi State's going to need Will Rogers to be successful this year. So that's the main thing and maybe it's not really news to say that, you know, you got to look at the quarterback position first. But when you look at what what surrounds Will Rogers, right? He brings back a lot of production at receiver, brings back a lot of production at running back, four of his five starting offensive linemen. They're going to figure out the tight end position. But they've got a couple of, you know, quality transfers there, at least it looks like on paper. You know, it there's a, there's a lot of a lot of pressure on Will Rogers to deliver here because you know, the 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 safety blanket of the air raid is kind of gone from him now and then we'll we'll see how he delivers there. And then defensively, you know, on the other side of the ball, you know, I expect a lot of the same because Zach Arnett is still there and Matt Brock taking over for him is not a, a big, a, the big change that we're seeing on offense. But you got to find somebody to replace Emmanuel Forbes. And, you know, last year you had to find a guy who, to replace Martin Emerson. And, and you kind of did. I thought DeCamry Richardson was good last year. 
With Forbes, you know, he was so dynamic and gave you so much, especially in terms of, you know, he put three, four touchdowns on the board for you almost every year. I think that uh I, I think that's gonna be an interesting battle to watch. I think, you know, Kamari Rogers is a guy to watch the transfer from Miami. Um, but we'll see. So the the secondary is where I'm really looking defensively for Mississippi State. And then but offensively is I think where everybody's focus is going to be. What's going to be? What's going to look similar? Is there anything on the offensive side of the ball that's going to look similar? Yeah, I mean they're not going to the I formation, too tight end, or anything like that. They'll still be three and four wide receiver sets. You know, they'll still operate mostly out of the shotgun. They'll still be a, a good chunk of, of the short passing game and trying to get guys into space and letting them make plays. But you know, you're going to see them run the football more this year. There's just no getting around that that fact of life. That they're they're going to run the football more. Um, they're going to you know I think try to find ways to use Mike Wright, the Vanderbilt transfer, in some packages and play calling to to take advantage of his mobility, take advantage of what he can bring you in the run game. So some things are going to I think the things that are going to look different will look drastically different, but there'll be a lot of things that just they do look the same because at the end of the day, air raid concepts and air raid philosophy are just a part of almost every offense there is in college football and in the pros. Who's the most important returning player for Mississippi State? On, on each side. You mean other than Rogers? Other than Rogers. Um, well, well, do you think I mean, that's the answer? I mean, is yes, there, is there, like, sure. there's not even any doubt. Yeah, because I don't know if Mike Wright is a guy that you can just install as your starting quarterback and, and be as successful as this team has a chance to be. So Rogers is very important, but then, so is Jaquavius Marks. You know, now you're in a situation where, hey, they're going to give you the ball 15, maybe 20 times a game. You know, you're up for the challenge. Uh, so that, that's a big thing there. And then on the other side of the ball, I think you saw last year how much the defense improved later in the season when Jaden Crumity was healthy and able to play. And he missed the first eight games of the season. I think he states, you know, best defensive lineman probably by a large margin. And he just, he may think everybody else around him better. Last year. And so, you know, again, sort of the same scheme. New defensive line coach and David Turner. That's a guy who knows a thing or two about getting guys to the next level and, and really showing them off here in college. Um, so I think Crumity is probably the answer to that question. A couple of veterans. Yeah. Borky, what are the questions that you've got for Mississippi State going into spring practice? It's it's the obvious. It's offense. It is a change. I mean, every offense has, has air raid concepts for sure, but th- there might be some growing pains associated with a, a transition in offense. And I mean, th- this is also a play caller that's not done it in the SEC yet as well. You know, it's it's a little bit different. Now, if you're good, you're good, regardless of your level. We've seen guys call plays at the Group of Five level up to the Power Five level, and it worked perfectly, but mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of new. And and I've questioned whether or not Will Rogers has the ability to run a normal offense. I've questioned whether or not he can push the ball vertically effectively. And now I'm we're going to see if I'm right or wrong because I thought that State should have tried in the transfer portal for quarterback that got one little bit different situation. But um, I've had questions about his ability to win big games besides this Egg Bowl, which didn't play particularly well anyway, um, because I didn't think the vertical ability was there. 
we're going to find out if it was there because this offense, at least on how it was run in Boone, was more dependent on a quarterback that could beat teams vertically than Mike Leach's air raid the last three seasons. Is it going to be? Is it going to be a little bit weird for Mississippi State fans? <laughs> and, and and here's yeah, what I, I mean, of... right? So, hey, Dad, you remember when when Mike Leach was hired? I mean, we, mm-hmm. we did. The, uh, it wasn't a bit, but I said, go ahead and get ready. When you're sitting 18 rows up on the 40 yard line, and it's third and one. And you've watched three decades of Mississippi State football, and you know they're a running football team, and Mike Leach calls a passing play, and they throw it, and it's incomplete, and they either punt on fourth down or throw another pass that's incomplete. You're going to stand up out of your seat, and you're going to say, Run the bleeping ball! And, and they did. Yeah. It, it happened. And it happened. It happened. Yeah. But now. It's going to be like a a reversion. They're going to run the bleeping ball. Yeah, I, I, I had just gotten used to seeing like, fifty passes a game. Throw the ball. <laughs> I had just gotten used to fifty passes a game, and now I got to go back to my my old ways. But I, I think you know, Barbe will call the plays the situation dictates. I mean, I think you'll see State go under center and sneak the football a few times this year on third and short, which personally I'm excited about. So. Yeah, I'm not overly worried about it. But yes, for Mississippi State fans, the last three years, you finally get used to seeing 55, 60 passes or whatever it is a game. And now it's going to be different than that. Yeah. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We'll take a timeout. More coming up with you right after this. Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk, Mississippi. It's a busy baseball day today in and around the SEC. Uh, just, just out of curiosity, quick check of the uh, of the baseball scoreboard. Missouri is hosting Western Illinois. They lead in that game five to nothing. Missouri Tuck- good. Um, they seem good. I mean, for them, they may, they may of be course, okay. Perspective. Yeah, I mean, they went ten and twenty in the SEC. They won ten SEC games last year. And we thought they were terrible, but I mean, one team. They, they, they won 10 games in the SEC last year. I mean, when you, you think like Missouri on your baseball schedule is like, oh, there's three wins right there. They don't look like a team yeah. that you're just going to just beat three times on a weekend and cruise. They don't look like that at all. Alabama looks good. I'm sorry. I just got distracted. I, I, I like I'll just share this with the entire world all uh, like in real time. I got a text message from my wife. My daughter has is she is running in her very first track meet 
today. She is one of four on her team that's running the 800 meter. And I just got a, like a video text update. I'll, I'll wait and watch the video in the break, but I, so I just awesome. had to stop and read it and see what was going on. That's so, great. yeah, Ed Montgomery running, uh, running track. She, I mean, evidence that, that while she is my daughter, she has got, I guess, her mother's genes. Um, ran cross country in the fall and running track in the, uh, in the spring. Who's got ten fingers and didn't run? This guy. <laughs> You're still a top tier athlete, though. Don't, don't sell yourself short. I mean, I can still throw it a little bit, but just don't ask me to run anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Cats lead Murray State six to two. That's Kentucky over Murray State in the eighth. Ooh, in Fayetteville, bottom of the eighth inning, Army USA USA leading five to four over the Arkansas Razorbacks. Oh, that would be a shame. <laughs> I mean, can we all agree that Dave Van Horn is going to at least concede, regardless of the outcome of this game, that at Army they do it the right way? I don't know. You might have something to say. Oh, buddy, Arkansas bat-flipped last weekend. Hey, we got a, we got a third-place finish hey. in the first ever 800-meter. Awesome. I'll take that. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Letting Jane know that I just shared that on the radio. <laughs> Look, man, you know, sometimes you're just gonna live vicariously or, or not even you're you're not living vicariously. You're just you're just living life with us. Yeah. Right? That's okay. Um Tennessee Tech leading Vandy in the third. One zip. Gators up on FAU early, 3-1, to one, and then a bunch of games tonight. Georgia Southern at Georgia. Tennessee hosting Boston College. By the way, did you see Georgia get after uh, Charmin this weekend? A little, bit mm-hmm. of a, a little bit of a rivalry series over in the Peach State. Alabama's at Samford tonight. Bama putting that undefeated record on the line. Mississippi State hosting Valpo. First pitch tonight, 6 o'clock. You know anything? You know much about Valpo, Hayden? They've played some, you some, some games against Power Five. They're not the Crusaders anymore. Um, I think they're like the Warhawks or something. The Beacons. <laughs> the Beacons, as in the Beacons of Light. You know, you know, we're getting to that time of year where we get to see a lot of Valpo highlights on the television. I'm sorry, you broke up for a second. What, what was that? <laughs> I, <laughs> hey, uh, Borky, what happened to his mic? All of a sudden, I can't hear him anymore. He was uh, reminding just, you about the time Valpo hit I don't, uh, uh, shot at the Bryce uh, Is this thing on? You guys, there's, I, I hope that my voice is still going out over the radio. I'm having trouble hearing you. Uh, Auburn <laughs> is hosting UAB tonight. A&M has got Incarnate Word coming to Bluebell Park. South Carolina, the Citadel, and top 25 matchup here in Oxford. Number 22, Southern Miss. Number 4, Ole Miss at, uh, at Swayze. 6.30 first pitch for that one. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. There, uh, there are multiple stops that have to happen along the way. I'm, I'm hoping to make it to the ballpark tonight for, like, the second half of that game. It's a, it's a big sports day for the cross, 
family, though. You got to go home and congratulate your, your, your champion there. You gotta, well, yeah, she, she's running track, and then she's got to go straight to the, the middle school baseball game because she's a diamond girl, and Francis has a soccer game, and Obie's at lacrosse practice right now. They, they, like, there's a lot going on, and my sweet wife so, like makes it all happen. Not a lot of homework happening at your house, though. <laughs> Grades are okay. We're, doing, doing We're all okay. getting athletic Hanging scholarships. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't well, come no. to play school. No, I'm afraid that we are enjoying athletics at this stage in life, Brian Haydad. We are not looking not ahead to, to scholarships down the way. Uh, let's see here. What have we? We have uh, Bryce Drew is the scum of the earth. That's from Joe in Starkville. <laughs> Uh, Friend Starkville, come on, Joe. Well, we have Jeff in Oxford that's a state fan, so maybe they should just that's switch true, places. That's true. Guys, Joe in Starkville tw- texted us, Bryce Drew forever is my hero. Oh. 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 There so, you go. Joe in Starkville sends us a message. Bryce Drew, scum of the earth. Uh, Dan in Hattiesburg, <laughs> hey, Dad, I hate it every time I watch that Valpo moment. By the way, they should have been called for an offensive foul. Wow. Brad yeah. and Jackson, Valpo, isn't that a dog food? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had I, I informed some people this weekend. I was talking, we were talking about Valpo, and I, I made the mention. I was like, you know, this is the time of year where you see that Valpo highlight, and I laugh every time. A couple of younger people were like, "Why do you laugh?" I was like, "That happened against Ole Miss. They had no idea." So I spread the gospel of Bryce Drew. Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay. You got plenty of stuff on me. It's fine. Mm. Bryce Drew. <laughs> How'd it work out? I for can him hear the disdain in your voice. I can hear it. The, the thing is, I mean, like, like I think most Ole Miss fans, there are certain moments that are just like etched into your memory. Here, here's yeah. the crazy thing. Hey, Dad, I was on the mm-hmm. sideline for the Hunter Henry play. You know, the heave and the yeah. fourth and twenty yeah, yeah. whatever. Fourth and twenty what? Five, six, whatever it was. Five. Yeah. I don't that's not like etched into my mind. Like, I mean, I know it happened and I know it's like, you gotta be kidding me. Did that just happen? But I don't know if it was because of my vantage point or because it's in the flow of the game and I'm working or or whatever else. Right. I'm like You just been watching, it's different. That, that really stunk. I was at a friend's house. It was during spring break. It was the mm-hmm. 11 a.m. game, mm-hmm. and I vividly remember I was standing in her living room. There were like several people in there. I just happened to be standing behind the couch, and I'm frustrated that Ansu Cisse just missed the free throws. But I was, I was just standing there watching, and it's like, here he goes, inbound, long pass, catch. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding Did you, me? Uh... Did you ever call a Vandy game while he was the coach there? Uh, Chance to sit down with yeah, him? Tell him yeah, you, you ruined so. your childhood? No, I mean, okay. whatever. I mean, how many times have he heard that? Oh, whatever. <laughs> about, probably not a whole lot. How many Ole Miss announcers are How many Ole Miss people does he come in contact with on a daily basis? I don't know. So uh, Will in Philadelphia says, Valpo and Billy Cannon will always haunt Ole Miss fans. You know, that, that, the, the funny thing about that is... Those are two of the more iconic plays yeah. in college basketball and football history, respectively. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Aaron, I mean, if you say Bryce True, that's the first thing that pops in your head. You say Billy Cannon, that run is the first, that punt return is the first thing that pops in your head. Dan in Hattiesburg says, Cross, I don't think that's exactly what I said. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, there we go. We got a, uh, we got a lineup for Mississippi State baseball. Have you taken a, a look at that just quite yet? I have, and a, a, a change there. Slade Alford, who started every game at third base, and has you talk about not fielding well. He's fielding a crisp seven sixty on the season. He's he's out of the starting lineup, and David Marchand gets his first start. He's a guy that, when Forsyth wasn't hitting, people were talking about he could go and play at shortstop when he got healthy. But now he has to go to third because, on top of fielding at that clip. Uh, Offer only hitting two thirty four on the year, so there's a change. You know, Lamona said yesterday he's gonna have to make some changes. There's one right there. She's seven sixty. I did. He's got six errors already. In like in twelve games, six attempts, chances. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I mean, I'm just doing the math there. It's like that. You know, one in four is. Hmm. 16 attempts, 6 errors. Oof. That's just rough, man. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will be back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. SEC tournament begins tomorrow night, six o'clock. You've get, or, or is that actually is that seven central, Borky? I believe that's seven eastern. Eastern, I think you're right. I think it's six central, Ole Miss, South Carolina in the twelve thirteen game tomorrow night, and then the nightcap is Georgia LSU. Mississippi State will open day two of the tournament, first full day of the tournament. It's the day of the tournament where you actually have to have tickets to the seats. It's not just general admission. Uh, number eight, Florida. Number nine, Mississippi State at noon on SEC Network. Followed by the fifth seed, Tennessee Volunteers against the winner of game one. So Tennessee against either South Carolina or Ole Miss. Game three of the day, the 6 p.m. game, will be number seven seed, Auburn against number 10 seed, Arkansas. That actually has the potential to be a spectacular basketball game. And, frankly, a game that's got some stakes to it. There's two teams that would, could feel a whole lot more comfortable with a win. And then uh, Vandy in the nightcap against either Georgia or LSU. Top four seeds, Bama one, A&M two, Kentucky three, Missouri four. So Bama will get the winner of Florida-Mississippi State. Missouri 
We'll get the winner of Tennessee against either South Carolina or Ole Miss. Texas A&M will get the winner of Auburn and Arkansas. Kentucky will get the winner of Vandy against either Georgia or LSU. There you have it. So if Vandy beats Georgia or LSU, they pick up a... I know I'm still beating the Vandy drum. They pick up a 12th SEC win. And we still don't think that's enough, right? They got to win that and beat Kentucky on Friday. If, they beat. They're probably going to beat Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. So Ole Miss will play a game tomorrow night at six o'clock, and they will either win that game and advance their game against Tennessee on Thursday, or they will lose that game and their season will be over. And. At that point, I say at that point, what, who are we kidding? All eyes already, are sit, as it pertains to Ole Miss basketball, are on one thing and one thing only. And that's who the next head coach is going to be. And I think more specifically than that, we have reached the point where all anybody wants to know is, is Ole Miss hiring Chris Beard? I'm curious what you guys think, because as I've talked to more and more people, I feel like an overwhelming number of people are like, yeah, I mean, people may be upset about it for a couple of days and then they'll just move on and you ended up with a great basketball coach. Tell tell me why that sentiment has changed. And, and I admit, honestly, that, that it's changed a little bit for me, and I, I'll, I'll tell you in a second why it's changed for me. It's incredibly nuanced. I mean, I, I've talked... I've talked to a lot of Ole Miss fans and engaged with a lot of Ole Miss fans. So friends of mine or people that like follow me on social media and stuff. And the the responses range dramatically. I mean, I've spoken to people that said if they hire him, I'm out. And I never believe that I'm out, people. With all due respect to those people, I never believe you when you say you're out. After everything you've endured as a fan of basically every school, you're not out. If you're not out by now, you're never out. That's the whole point of fanhood. Um, and I've talked to people that have said, hire him now. What are you waiting for? And it's it's nuanced. It's difficult. It's a hard conversation to have. I think the people that say that it's not a difficult decision, it's not nuanced, go do it right now, I think that is incorrect. I think it's a lot deeper than that. I think the people that don't want it to happen are just in those feelings. If you separate basketball from from person or, or oh, from that, personal that, feelings, yeah, yeah, there's no then, debate. Then, then you're hiring uh, what can like right of Ben Shapiro conservatively would be a top ten coach in America, and you know, there, as a principle. If somebody else does something that I deem wrong, that doesn't make it okay for me to do it. As a principle, that is how I feel. I think that college sports should be about more than just winning. I don't think Brandon Miller should be playing for Alabama, for example. I think that if they would have done the right thing by the human, by the kid, they would have put wins second and teaching lessons first. That's what I think should have happened. I don't think Auburn should have hired Hugh Freeze as their head coach. Not because of what happened at Ole Miss, but because of the good reporting at AL.com. I don't think they should have hired him for, for multiple reasons there. 
But both of those schools did. Brandon Miller's playing for Alabama. Why? Because he's winning basketball games. If he was a bench player, you, you think that they would have tried to cover it up and, and then played him with no issue? You can't convince me. But he's an elite player, and he's winning games, and they're winning games, and so he plays. Auburn hires Hugh Freeze because he's beaten Nick Saban. They like to do that at Auburn. That's the only thing that has mattered to them. And so when somebody says to me, if Auburn can hire Hugh Freeze and Alabama can keep playing Brandon Miller, Ole Miss can hire Chris Beard. And as a general principle, I don't agree with that line of thinking, but I don't have a good counter. I, I don't have a good counter argument. I can't tell you you're, you're wrong in your feeling because I'm not naive. I think college sports should be about more than winning, but they're not. That's all that matters. Alabama's proved it. Auburn's proved it. Texas A&M's proved it. They have Bobby Petrino and DJ Durkin running their offense and defense. Ed Orgeron got multiple jobs after what happened with him. I mean, I can't argue. I'm not sure, a, I think it's fair to put DJ Durkin in all that category, just as an aside. But but, but carry on. But the the point stands though. A past situation that led to him getting terminated didn't matter because he could win. He could help you win, and he did. And yeah. and the the risk, quote unquote, was worth taking because nothing has happened since. You know, no, no, nothing has happened since. The point is. Regardless of how I feel about it, I get why Ole Miss would go down that road because Chris Beard will come to Ole Miss if that happens and he will win basketball games at a level in which Ole Miss doesn't. That's what will happen. I would basically guarantee it. I would put my car on it that Chris Beard's going to go to Ole Miss and he's going to win. And when he wins, nothing else is going to matter. You think a single Alabama fan cares about what Brandon Miller was involved in? Not one. You think a single Auburn fan cares about what happened at Briarcrest, as reported by AL.com? Not a single one. None of them care. Because winning in college sports is the only thing that matters. Everything else does not, as long as winning does. There's, there's one thing I don't know if we're considering here. <clears throat> And that's, is he going to take the job? I mean, Chris Beard is a coach that has won at a very high level. Other jobs are going to come open. Better jobs than Ole Miss are going to come open. And if the athletic directors and the people in charge at those universities feel the same as Ole Miss does, he's going to have better options than Ole Miss. So we've talked so much about Chris Beard, but I don't know that it's just this lead pipe lock that he's going to be the next head coach there, not because Ole Miss doesn't want him, but because he might not want to be at Ole Miss. I actually don't think that's unfair, but I think it's why if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the next few days. And when I say few days, I mean before the tournament starts next week. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a burden hand element to this for both sides, right? For I mean, if, if Ole Miss determines that Chris Beard is who they want to hire, then they need to get the deal done. And if Chris Beard gets to a spot where he's got an opportunity to be an SEC head basketball coach, he needs to do the deal. He, here's what... I 
I know Keith Carter pretty well. I don't know Glenn Boyce well. I mean, just very handshake, good to see you, whatever. If Chris Beard's situation was as bad as we were led to believe early on, Keith Carter would not be considering hiring Chris Beard. I believe that. And I make no apologies for saying that. Like I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for Keith Carter. Um, I don't know the chancellor well enough, but I do. I've been led to believe that initially the chancellor was very no, we're not going down that road. But as a matter of due diligence and vetting, as they have gotten farther down the road, they have learned things about the situation that happened in Austin that have made it possible to at least continue to explore and have conversations about Chris Beard as the head coach at Ole Miss. We'll be back. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi one last time. You've got uh, baseball coming up tonight. Mississippi State hosting Valparaiso. First pitch just, oh, 10 minutes or so away. Ole Miss and Southern Miss will get started at 6.30 tonight from Swayze Field in Oxford. You want to watch it? Both of those uh, games are on the SEC Network. Plus, if you are not headed to the ballpark. Um, I guess we should finish up the, the Chris Beard... Maybe we should back all the way up. Bob in Itawamba says, who is Chris Beard? Give us some background. Chris Beard is a college basketball coach. Um, he kind of started his ascent at Little Rock. He, he's got a Texas coaching background. He graduated from Texas, worked at some smaller colleges in Texas, Incarnate Word, Abilene Christian, North Texas, junior college for a while. Um, I mean, he was the head coach at Angelo State. Whatever. He took Little Rock to uh, the second round of the NCAA tournament in a 31-win season, 30-win season. Then he got the Texas Tech head coaching job in 2016. He led them to Elite Eight, uh, to an Elite Eight, and followed it up with a, an appearance in the national championship game, and then was hired away by Texas. He was a 2019 AP National Coach of the Year. And on December 12th of this past year, he was arrested on third-degree felony charges of assault against a family member for strangulation. His fiance called the police. Those charges were subsequently dropped. He was suspended from Texas without pay and then was later terminated. Um... His fiance later claimed that he was acting in self-defense. And she apologized for the role that she played in the incident. 
And they're, uh, so anyway, that's where we are. He is, February 15th is when the district attorney in Travis County, Texas, which is where Austin is, said that based on the case evidence and the fiance's wishes not to prosecute, that he could not get a conviction, and therefore the charges were dismissed. Depending on who you listen to, Chris Beard became hireable. And, the and, amount of vetting, the amount of due diligence, the amount of people that are being talked to about this and trying to figure out if you can do it or you can't do it is the, the list is extensive. And it's a, it's a risk either way. Um, because if it happens again on your watch, that that's that's the thing. If if it happens again, regardless of the intimate details of what happened previously. What happened, what didn't happen, why the cops were called, what they saw, what they took down, why the charges were dropped. No way to know for sure. Can't happen again. Right. I mean, it it could be a career ender for Keith Carter, depending on what would happen again if it did. Being the AD that hired the guy fresh off of an arrest in a domestic violence situation, to have it happen again under your watch is possibly a, a career ender. For you as an athletics administrator. Which is why I said earlier, it's hard for me to to get to a point where I think that if Ole Miss does this, with the amount of background work that I know Keith Carter and the Chancellor and Alan Green and Chad Chatlos and everybody else that's involved are doing to, to vet this thing, I mean, if you get to a point where you feel comfortable doing it, then... Even if it looks a little yucky on the outside, I mean, like I said a second ago, like I know Keith Carter. He's not risking his career on something that he thinks is just a 50 50 shot, a roll of the dice. Hey, Dad, I, I am curious. You, you said a second ago, you know, would Chris Beard want the Ole Miss job? Where else would you be looking right now? I mean, there are no other SEC jobs that are open. Texas Tech yeah. may hire Mark well, I mean, Adams. Georgia Tech may hire fire Josh Pastner. Georgia no, Tech's not open. Would they not hire him? Apparently. Oh, okay. Well, well, like, yeah. When they do move on from Pastner, they're. I mean, at I mean, the end of the day, you know, I, I don't know what jobs are going to open up between now and then. I mean, the college basketball season isn't isn't over yet. People are going to start making those decisions in the next week or so. Uh, you know, I, I'm still interested to see what happens with Louisville. I don't know if they want to bring in Chris Beard. You know, they got a lot of their own issues up there, but they went four and twenty-eight this year. I cannot imagine Trey Payne is going to survive that. That's Louisville. Um, I don't know. And then, of course, other jobs are going to open up as other jobs open up. You know, somebody leaves one it's job for so. the other. So yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what's going to be there. Boston College ended Louisville's season today with an eighty-two-sixty-two win in the ACC tournament. Four and twenty-eight. Mm. By the way, Josh Pastner and Georgia Tech still alive. They beat Florida State sixty-one sixty today. They were at one point one and twelve in the ACC, and then have managed to win seven of their last nine. But we'll see where that goes. Covered a lot of ground today. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy some college baseball tonight. Some postseason basketball. The SEC basketball tournament begins tomorrow. We'll talk all about it. Also, Steve Gent will join us tomorrow. We'll talk some golf, including the players, which is coming up this weekend. For Hey Dad and Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.